0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year. So glad to see you. We want to welcome you to worship. Glad to welcome those worshiping with us online as well. We're always glad to have you. I, as we got started there, there was some noise back here, and it was kind of making a funny noise, and I didn't know what that meant. And I thought maybe it was me at first, but no, it's not. So I'm glad about that. Now, listen, uh, I, we, what we did with the staff was we gave, we split the staff up, and we said, okay, half of us are going to take Christmas Christmas Eve and Christmas off. Half are going to take New Year's off because you know this year, Sunday, we had uh, uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day was on Sunday. If you didn't notice that, you're not a preacher. But if you're a preacher, you noticed that as soon as you looked at the calendar right away, you made note of that. And so we worked it out. And it worked out great. Different ones took off at different times. And so I'm glad to be back. And Happy New Year. I'm glad to see you. And we have snowbirds here. Snowbirds have come from all over the country and Canada. And I saw them today. And here's the thing I've noticed about snowbirds, okay? They come down here in the winter and it's cold outside. Did you notice my vest? Yeah. This presentation takes time. I just don't wake up looking like this, okay? But I wanted to look like Bill Small because Bill's a vest guy, right? And I wanted to be vested, too. You know what I'm saying? So I got my vest. I got a truck like Bill's. His truck is bigger, but I've got a truck, okay? And so, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do my impression of Bill today. So I've got my vest on, but here's what I've noticed about the snowbirds. They're walking around with short sleeve shirts on, and they've got, some of them have sandals on. And these are old people I'm talking about, okay? And they come in, and I said, you think you're in Florida, don't you? And they said, well yeah, this is, this is wonderful. You know we got 10 feet of snow at home. And I said, well, I'd be here too if I had 10 feet of snow at home because how do you do anything with? And then what about the pipes freezing and all that? I mean, we had this little cold snap. We had to run our water at night and then we had to take care of the faucets outside the house. That was just in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, when we were staying up there. so but, but you know we're glad to have you. Welcome, welcome home. Some of them had not been here because of COVID and now they're back. And so we're so thankful. You know, we had four services before COVID and then COVID and now we have three services, but we're, we're seeing people coming back in. So it was great today. We, and it's great to see you and everybody sneezing. So God bless you. You know what I'm saying? Because what happens? Somebody sneezes and then what do you do? Well, you feel like left out, right? So you have to sneeze too. I mean, that's what, just a, it's just a polite thing to do so that they don't feel bad, right? So God bless you all for your sneezing. My wife sneezes three times in a row. And you know what I learned over the holidays? Because, you know, I had time on my hands. Somebody told me, and I don't know, is this true? Somebody told me, they say this is true, that if you're about to sneeze, You can put your finger right here, like this, and press, and you won't sneeze. Another thing they told me was that if you're about to sneeze and you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, that you won't sneeze. Now, here's what I wonder. If you're about to sneeze and I put my finger right there (laughs) on you, will that work? Because I'd like to have that kind of power, you know? Just stop it right there, okay? Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, so anyway, today I want to talk to you, and and we're going to talk about some things that are interesting, I hope, uh, to you. And one of them is, have you ever seen the movie The Father or the Bride? Anybody ever seen that with Steve Martin? Well, I love that movie because Steve Martin is a dad and he's got a daughter and he's got to pay for a wedding and and he's trying to figure out how to save money, bless his heart. And you know, and his wife and his daughter and the director for the wedding, they're all just figuring out ways to spend money and he's just constantly trying to cut corners here and there. And his idea of what this wedding's gonna be like is very different from the final product, right? And so he goes up in the attic to save money. He goes up in the attic and he puts on his old tuxedo that he had years and years and years ago. And he puts it on and he says, Oh, it looks good. Well, it's too small. It doesn't fit, right? And, and he puts it on. Plus, it's blue. It's not black. And plus, it's got all the, the frilly shirt, you know, that's gone out of style. And they're all going, No, you can't do that. And he's thinking, No, I've got to, somewhere, somewhere, I've got to draw the line. Somewhere, I've got to cut corners. Somewhere, I've got to save money, right? And then he just had enough. They're they're doing the swans. They've got the ice sculpture. They've got all this different stuff. And he's losing it. And he goes to the grocery store. And they send him to the store just to get him away because he's about to go off the deep end. And what does he do? He goes in to buy hot dogs and buns. Have you seen this? And what he does is the hot dogs, there's eight hot dogs to a package, right? And he goes to get the buns. And there are 10 buns in the package. And he just loses it. He opens up the bun package. He takes two buns out. He puts them on the counter there on the shelf. He closes it back up, and somebody from the store comes up to him and says, What are you doing? He said, That's it. I'm not paying for those two extra buns. I got eight hot dogs. I want eight buns. That's what I'm going to buy. I'm not buying anymore. And what happens to him is he gets arrested, and they take him to jail because he's just gone off the deep end. So his wife comes to bail him out, and she says, George, before you can go home, you have to promise me certain things, and she makes him promise a lot of things that he won't overreact about things and that he'll just get with the flow and go ahead and go with the wedding. It'll be all right, and he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. You know, that's just a great scene to me, but but that's true, isn't it? I mean, certain things, is just the last straw, and we've had enough, and what do we do? We overreact. Well, in my life, what I've discovered is when I'm tired or if I've allowed someone to hurt my feelings, and by the way, we allow people to do that, then what happens is I might overreact. I might let you push my buttons. I might lash out if you've lashed out at me. I might respond just the way that you have come at me, right? But here's the thing, and I've got to admit, those are are more often than I'd like to admit that those things happen. But occasionally, the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of me, And a peace comes over me, and when somebody's ugly to me, I just don't react. In fact, what I might do is respond. You see, responding is different than reacting. It's certainly different than overreacting. But I might respond in a totally different way than the way that that person is acting. When that happens, what happens? That person takes notice. They see that, and they go, well, they didn't react the way I thought they would react, and and that gets their attention, right? And then you get to be a witness for God. That's your opportunity to do that, and what a blessing it is. Have you ever been in the grocery store, and and the child is acting out, and the parent starts to correct the child, but the parent overreacts because they're embarrassed, and now the parent is acting like the child because they're so upset, right? Right? You know, how many of you have children, when they were little, they would just throw down in the floor and have a conniption? Yeah. It's okay. Go ahead and confess. I want you to. Because I don't want to be alone up here, okay? I, our, our, younger, <laughs> our younger daughter, when, when my wife would go to the grocery store with her mother, Okay, and then our younger daughter would be there with my wife and then our older daughter would be with my mother in law. And so they would go off and they would get groceries together in one buggy. And then Laura and Catherine would be in the other buggy trying to get the groceries. Okay, and and Elizabeth literally said to Laura one time, she said, you know, whenever I'm in the grocery store, I never worry that you've left me. Because I can always hear Catherine screaming wherever I go. I'm not making that up. That really happened. So Catherine just threw down in the store. She was little and she wanted something. And Laura said no. And she threw down in the store right there and had a conniption. And we learned what to do, right? And I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there judging me right now. You're going. That's the preacher, and his daughter was not acting perfectly. Shamey finger on you, right? That's what you're saying right now. But you know why? If you talk about preachers' kids. Why do they act the way they do? I'll tell you why. You know why? Because they had to play with your kids. That's why. <laughs> they were little angels till they met your demons, okay? That's that's just the way <laughs> You just think that that little one is precious. Just get off and we'll see. And so so that's what we we just learned to walk away. And she was like, well, that didn't work. And so she'd get up and move forward. There were times though, when Laura literally had to pick her up under her arm and just carry her out of the store and just leave the buggy and go. And everybody in there knelt in prayer and was so grateful (laughs) that they had left. Thank God our prayers were answered. They're not here anymore. Maybe they'll find a new store, right? And so what I want to talk about today is overreactions. Now, what might be at work? Have you ever been at work and somebody overreacted? You talk about tense. I was on a staff one time. We were in staff meeting, and the senior minister and the choir director got into it in staff, and, and it wasn't that big a staff. And I was eating the carpet. I, just, I was young. I didn't know what to do. It was so bizarre, and it didn't get any better. I mean, they did, never did get along. It just got worse and worse. It was ugly, you know? And it's so uncomfortable, and it makes things tense. And what do you do? Well, it damages relationships when that happens. And the point is we can learn a lot by our reactions. They tell us a lot about ourselves, right? Now, what about this phrase? Have you ever heard this phrase, you're just like your mother? Has anyone Because, see, (laughs) if you're a husband and you say that to your wife, you could be coming to see me for counseling. I'm just saying, because it may not work out, because that may be good, but it might push a button, and you, you know that, that might be the beginning of a big fight there because of that. So it could be a reaction that you're going to get. So here's the point. How do I harness that power and all that emotion and all that feeling so that now I don't react, but rather I respond? I don't act ugly, but, but I respond in a good way. And so we say, Jesus says, there's a way you can do that. In fact, Jesus says, I want you to do it. You should do it. I insist on it. Learn to master the unexpected, unprecedented response. And I want to talk about that because Jesus talked about that. You see, when you and I respond in a different way than somebody who's acting ugly acts, then they sit up and take notice. Well, that, that's not what I expected to happen. That person didn't treat me the way the world treats me. And by the way, the world is so unhappy. Have you noticed? They are angry. The world is angry. Society today, you don't have to do anything to offend somebody. You can just be, and they'll be offended by your presence, okay? And so when, the, when we as Christians don't act the way the world is acting, people go, huh? I've never seen that before. That's amazing. Did you see what happened to him? He should be angry, but he's not angry. Did you see how she responded to that? That was really nice. I can't believe they did that. Now, here you've heard it said actions speak louder than words, and that's true. But the truth is reactions speak louder than either, and they tell the whole story. And this is true for all of us. I want you to look around the room today and just look at how well-behaved everybody is here. Just look at, look at these people. These are ideal people. I don't know if it's like this in every church, but I just feel blessed today because you're all perfect. Look at you. You're all fixed up and gussied up, and you're on your best behavior, and you're being nice to each other, right? Look look around at each other. Go ahead. Check. If you're single, this is your chance, okay? <laughs> If you're being respectful to one another you might even be generous and let somebody else have your parking place or your seat today you might even let somebody go in front of you to get coffee today maybe maybe not i don't know but you know what happens when things don't go your way what about when the rest of the church isn't watching and you've just lost it and you're off the deep end and you're in the grocery store and you're you're saying the hot dogs have to match the buns i'm gonna lose it right What do you do? And sometimes it may be justified, and other times it's not justified. What happens when you don't get the credit and you think you should get the credit? What happens when you don't feel appreciated and you think somebody ought to appreciate you? What happens when you don't get recognized and and you think, well, I ought to be recognized for what I've done? What happens when you don't get what you think you deserve? Your reaction exposes what's inside of you and me. That's the way we're made. And actions speak louder than words, but reactions tell the whole story. And that's why Jesus made the point of cause and effect. And here's what he said. When you and I don't look and we don't sound and we don't react the way the world reacts, but we respond in a godly way, it gets people's attention. And they look at us and they go, there's something different about that person. There's something winsome and attractive. There's something that they have that I don't have. And I want to be more like them. There's something that I don't understand, but but I, 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 it's appealing to me. And I need that in my life. And so what he's saying is when we sound and react like everybody else, we miss our opportunity. We miss our opportunity to be a witness. Now, you've heard this said before, and you may have said it yourself. You know all this stuff. This is nothing new. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. You see, Jesus wanted us to not just believe in Him and believe what He taught. He wanted us to do what He taught. He wanted us to act as he acted live the way he lives why should i become more like jesus when everybody else around me that's why i quit trying to be a christian example because even the christians i know around me don't act like christians so what's the use what's the purpose of me trying to do it nobody can do it we've all tried we've all failed i just give up we don't do what jesus would do but it goes on in matthew and jesus says You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, here's what I want you to understand. How many times have you read that in the Bible? You may have said that, turn the other cheek. You didn't even know you were quoting Jesus, right? But that's the truth. How many times have you heard that and read that and you just scratch your head and you go, what's he talking about? Jesus is talking about retaliation. And he's talking about don't retaliate. It doesn't matter what somebody does to you. You don't answer for their actions. You answer for your actions. So he says, don't retaliate. And so what he's trying to say is don't react the way that they have acted toward you. In fact, when you don't react, it's like people go, wow, That wasn't what I expected. They acted so different. And then he continues, and he said, "'If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, "'turn to them the other cheek also.'" And so what's he talking about there? He's not saying if somebody comes up and just starts beating on you, just stand there and and let them pummel you, okay? But everybody in the first century audience, because everything Jesus said applied to the day that he was living. And everybody there knew exactly what he was talking about because it made sense in that culture. Now, most people in that day were right-handed, okay? So what happens is if you are right-handed, and you want to hit somebody on their right cheek, they're facing you, so it'd be the left side, but it's their right cheek, right? What would you do? You would backhand them. Now, this was not meant to be an attack so much as an insult. It was a way of saying, you know, I'm going to try to get you to react and act the way I'm acting. I'm going to try to push your buttons and get you to fight. In fact, in medieval times, what happened? they would slap somebody and it was a challenge to a duel wasn't it and that's the way they said it and it wasn't so much about trying to do it real hard or trying to knock somebody down or something it's not really it's not really that kind of deal it's just really supposed to be an insult it's not so much a physical assault and jesus was saying when people try to bait you into a conflict not my followers look at the person next to you and say not my followers, not us. We don't get to do that. The world might act that way, but we don't get to respond that way and act that way. He says, no, this is our opportunity to be a witness for God. And he talks about people getting sued and taking people to court. And then he moves on in Matthew and he says this, if anyone forces you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles. Now here, once again, we don't understand that today, but the original audience in the first century, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about compulsory public service because in those days, in that culture... If the temple leader or a political leader or any kind of person with wealth and power or even a Roman centurion or an officer or a soldier, if, if that place was occupied by Rome, then that individual could come up to you and you're just a citizen and he could say to you, put down the load that you're carrying and carry my load and you had to do that for a mile and really they would talk about a thousand paces you have to go for a thousand paces and carry and then you can go back and get your thing okay and so that's what they did and so here if you had to do that if you lived in a society cuz you're out walking around you're mingling with the people that's how you get around that's how you go shopping and do everything it's not like you can get in your car and drive and so you're right there in this small city and what happens is when you see those people with authority coming no eye contact. You're looking down. You don't, want to, you don't want to acknowledge them. You don't want them to see you. You're just trying to be invisible because sure as they do, they're going to stop you and they're going to say, put down what you're doing. doesn't matter what you're doing and come and do this for me. And so people really resented that and it really bugged them. And they didn't want to be asked to do that. And when they were asked to do it, then they were even more upset about it, but they didn't have a choice. They had to do it. So if public officials or temple officers or Roman soldiers ask you, you had to stop and you had to pick it up. You had to put down what you were doing and take care of them. And so Jesus says this. He says, you know what? When that happens, I want you to do something out of the ordinary. When that happens and they say, put down what you're carrying and carry my my stuff a mile, carry it a thousand paces, I want you to do that and I want you to have a good attitude about it. But then when you've done that, I want you to do something to really get their attention. I want you to go on another mile, a second mile. I want you to go another thousand paces, and here's why. When you do that, you're going to get their attention. They're going to look at you, and they're going to say, what are you doing? Nobody else has ever done that before. Why, Why are you doing that? And that's when you'll get a chance to witness, because that's what I've been taught to do. And that's the person I follow. That's what he taught me to do. And that's the way I live. And so I want to do something extra. I want to go the extra mile. I want to be generous. I want to be a witness to you of something very different than you've ever seen anywhere in your culture and in your day. And they say, well, why would you do that? Well, let me tell you why. Because I'm a Jesus follower. Because I'm a Christian. Because I don't just believe in him but I really try to do what he tells me to do and what he does. And so people, everybody in the audience, they didn't want to do it. But when he explained it to them, they were going, yeah, okay, nobody's going to do it, but if you say so, Jesus, we'll do it. And before they can even protest, he goes on and he says, and there's something else in verse 42. He says, Give the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the haves and the have-nots. He's talking about the rich and the poor. He's talking about, in those days, people were in need, and, and there was no welfare, and there was no net to catch them. There was no place for them to turn. The government wouldn't take care of them. And if they didn't have a livelihood or couldn't get a livelihood or didn't have family members to help them and they couldn't make ends meet, then you were supposed to help them. And so he taught that. And he says, I want you to reach out to other people. The streets are narrow. It's a small place. You're going to mingle with people from all different walks of life. It's not going to be like you just live on easy street and you don't have to be around those folks in need. And he says, when you do that, I want you to be generous. Generous. I want you to do more than the normal person would do. In other words, he said, not only do I want you to help them, but, but sometimes if you feel led to, I, I want you to give somebody a loan because you know they need it. And then I just want you to forgive the loan because you can. And maybe somebody did that for you one time, and maybe you were younger and it really helped you out, and now maybe you're in a position where you can do it for somebody else. And so I want you to do that because... They're going to ask you, why? Why would you do such a thing for me? And that's when you get a chance to tell them. Well, because that's what I've been taught, and that's what I've learned, and that's what people have done for me, and and that's what my Savior did for me, and that's what I want to do for you because I want you to know him. And I don't want to just meet the minimum requirement. I want to go above and beyond, and I want to be a blessing to other people. And Jesus says, that's the way I want you to live. And it doesn't matter if nobody else does. it, I want you to do it. And I want people to see you do it because it can make a difference in their lives. And then it goes on in, in verses 43 through 45. It says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He says, you've heard that, he says, and people, if you just act good to the people you like, the people who are like you, he said, everybody does that. Everybody in the world does that. That's nothing special. But he says, if you're nice to your enemy, the world doesn't do that. And that's, once again, when you're going to get their attention. I tell people all the time, I say, invite your friends to church. This morning at the 9 o'clock service, this young couple came up to me, and they were sitting down, and they said, we invited some friends to church. And I said, God bless you. And they said, in fact, we're going out to meet them right now in the lobby. We saved our seats. We're going to get them and bring them in here for a church, and they're going to come in. And I thought, how wonderful. By the way, you're permitted to do that at the 1015 service as well. You may invite your friends. In fact, I'm going to let you do something else. You may invite your enemies. Because what better place to make a friend out of an enemy than in church, right? Right? And so you can invite people, right? And they'll come. And a lot of people are back today. So when this couple, these two couples came out, and I was standing at the door, and I was shaking hands. And so the the couple who was first-time guest today, they came, and the friends were behind them. And I said, hi. And I even mentioned in my song, I didn't point them out, make them stand up, put the spotlight on them, and say, look, they've never been here before. No, I didn't do that. But I just said, hey, I'm glad to have you come back to see me. We're so glad you're here. And then I looked to the people behind them who invited them, and I said, and bring these people with you next time when you come, will you? Let them know to come back, all right? And they laughed, and they were, all four of them were having a big time with that. But, you know, they come because they, they don't, they don't, they're not coming by themselves. They come because they don't know what to expect. But if they've got friends there, if somebody's invited them, I hear that all the time where we had friends who went there. And so that's where we go because our friends go there. And let me tell you, that makes a huge difference. And and that's what followers do. They follow the example of Jesus. And so then Jesus does one more thing. He says, now, I'm going to tell you why this is essential. I'm going to tell you why I want you to do this. I love that about Jesus. He doesn't just tell us what to do, but he tells us why. And here's what he says. There's a difference in believers and followers. And followers are the ones who make the big difference. Anybody can believe. But it's the ones who actually do it that make an impact on other people. And the reason I want you to do this is because I want you to reflect to others what your heavenly Father is like. If you want to know what God's like, then just know me, Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you've seen the Jesus, you've seen the Father. And, and if you want to know what he's like, just look at me. But, but then I want you to help other people know what he's like. And I want you to live like he la- lives. How's everybody else going to know what the Father is like unless you show them? It's by your response when things don't go your way that make the big difference. And in Matthew it says this, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I want you to think about the group that you have the least respect for today. And I want you to think about how you're going to treat them. I want you to think about what you could do to show them Jesus. Your reactions will give you away every time. He said, if you only surround yourself with your people, your group, the people who are like you, the people who fit in with you, everybody in the world does that. There's no difference in you and the rest of the world. But if you reach out to people that maybe other people don't want to be around and other people don't want to spend time with and other people maybe look down on, now that's going to be unusual. Because the extra mile stands out. And loving your enemy stands out. And and not reciprocating evil for evil stands out. And not doing evil for evil stands out. And praying for your enemies, that stands out. And that's why I want you to do it, because it's your opportunity to be my witness. And when things don't go your way, And when you're treated unkindly and you're treated unjustly and you begin seeing these opportunities ahead, it just opens up a whole new opportunity for you to bless someone else. So what would it look like if I were to be an example of my Heavenly Father in this situation? And then he goes back to the parent child thing. He says, I I want you to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Because your heavenly father is more than. He does more than anybody else does. He's a generous God. He's a God who loves us. He knows the lies that we tell. He knows the harm that we inflict on others and don't take responsibility for. He knows the excuses we make when we're caught. He knows the secrets that we keep. He knows the selfishness that we experience in life. And yet, he sent his son to die for us, and he showed us what it means to be a follower of his, to love and to forgive, to be an example to show people something other than what the world offers them all the time. He came into the world looking at us, knowing who we were, warts and all, and he still gave his life for us. Jesus says, I want you to react this way because that's how my heavenly Father has reacted to you. Jesus commands us to react or respond toward others the way that he has reacted or responded to us. And so what I want to do is give you some homework. And I want you to go home this week, and I want want you to just ask yourself the question, what would it look like? What would it sound like? What would it be like if I could just be an example of God to other people? But here's where I want you to do it. I want you to do it at home. I want you to do it where the people who know you best, warts and all, the people who've seen your clay feet, the people who've seen you at your best and they've seen you at your worst. I want you to start there. And I want you to, to just shift gears and say, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna change with God's help, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna be a different person now. And I'm just gonna try to be an example. And I'm not gonna say that thing I wanna say because it's ugly and it shouldn't be said. And I'm not gonna act the way I wanna act and, and try to get them back because that's not the way it should be. In fact. I'm going to say something positive if they say something negative. And I'm going to do something nice if they do something that's ugly. I'm going to try to be just the opposite of that because that's contagious, and that catches on. And people look at that, and they go, okay, okay, you've got my attention now. And you know, people respect you when you do that. When you don't let somebody push your buttons, they respect you for that. And they go, okay, I want to be more like that person. And Jesus says, you know, there's a, a, a covenant we've made and you're my follower and, and I want to command you to love as I have loved and I want you to start at home and do it and then next week when you come back as you come in I'm going to have a little clipboard and a pen and I'm going to be asking you how you did and checking it off and you talk about your permanent record this is really your permanent record okay? I'm not going to do that because that's not the way God is but I, I just hope that you come back and you, you, know, you say to me, you know what, I tried it. And even though I failed and even though I choked, but there was this one thing I did right. There was this one instance, or, or maybe I, I did pretty good this week and through God's help and power, I was able to be victorious. And, and I, it just made me feel so much better and, and it made me that much closer to my family and the people that I love. And, and I just wanna do that all the time. And so just pray for me. Let's pray together. Father, I just ask you to raise up Jesus followers who decide I'm going to respond like my Father in heaven. I'm going to let my light shine in such a way through my response that people see that. And Father, I ask you to give me the courage and the strength and the power to be victorious when I do that this week. And to have some glory signings, some wonderful stories, some divine appointments I can share as I come back to worship next week. And Lord, I thank you for being the one who enables us to do that in your name, gives us the privilege to get a front row seat to what you work and the opportunity to be your witnesses in a lost and dying world and to draw people with your Holy Spirit working through us closer to you. And we do that in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's children said,